I want to try something different. I want to go out on my own, which is, you know, obviously, a, you know, you take a leap of faith there. But I took the model I had from the seven years I was investing and I decided to use that as a premise to start a new business. Uh, hey, uh, everybody, welcome to The Millionaire Listed. Today we have uh, John Rubino. Uh, he works, uh, he is the COO and partner at GID Investment. Um, so, John, please, if you want to take it from here uh, and tell us what is it that you do. Yeah, well, listen, I'm really excited to be here with you guys tonight. Uh, I was looking forward to this all week. And, and uh, yeah, it's just wonderful to be with you, to share with you, to talk about uh, what I do, and uh, and I'm really excited to share with your listeners. So thank you both for having me tonight, and uh, I'm looking forward to sharing with you and your listeners. Yeah, I, so I've been um, I was in the Navy for 20 years. I was a, I was a Navy pilot, so I got to have fun. I know we got the Marine Corps and the Air Force in the house as well, which is great. Yep. Uh, I served 20 years and had a blast, and uh, I'm just so grateful for my service and. The time I got to spend serving our nation. Uh, I'm originally from Brooklyn, New York, so I don't know if anybody on the on the on the waves are from New York, but New York's in the house. We're and, from New Jersey. Uh, yeah, New Jersey. There you go. <laughs> yeah, you guys are like our brothers over there, so I like that. Yeah. Yeah, and I went to college in New York and uh, graduated in '97, like a long, long time ago. <laughs> and um, when I graduated, I got my commission in the Navy. I was selected as a pilot and. Uh, yeah, I was off to training. And so for like, you know, the first, I'd say, you know, five to 10 years of my time in the Navy, I was really focusing on my career and getting my life straight and set and everything. And then uh, I'd say about the 10 year mark, maybe, yeah, about eight to 10 year mark, I started talking to some friends who started getting into this thing called real estate. I didn't know what real estate was other than you buy some property you know, you get a, a loan from the bank and yeah, you kind of move into your dream home with your family. I didn't really know much about it. Um, I do come from an entrepreneurial family. My dad owned his own construction company. Uh, I had aunts and uncles that were in business, but I never really knew what real estate was. But when you're in the military, you meet different people. And so I learned about it from some very close friends. And when we were stationed, uh, I was stationed with a good buddy down in uh, Southern Maryland. And he started, you know, explaining to me what he was doing with real estate, you know, fix and flip and chasing foreclosure property and real estate owned property. And so I started getting interested in it and I started learning about it with my friends. And so we started to chat about some different things and I got involved and I started looking for property and we started getting really, um, uh, we started getting really into new construction and we found a local area builder at the time who was doing some new property and um, we decided, hey, you know, let's let's look into this some more. We did some research and found that there was a need for new construction property in the area. So we decided to partner with the builder and we started building some new homes with the builder kind of overseeing the construction and we were working with the builder to get the financing, but ultimately they were putting up the, the new homes and, uh, and we would take ownership of the properties when they were finished. Um, for the first property I did a week before it was finished, the builder list, we, we took ownership and we listed the house. And before I closed on it, I had a buyer 
that bought the house for a $60,000 profit. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is awesome. Wow. So we had somebody that came in, bought the property. And um, I did two of those uh, before I moved overseas with my family. I stayed in the military. And then I had some friends that decided they were going to get out and really chase their ambitions of becoming uh, more involved in real estate. So what I did was I took uh, a good chunk of my money and I invested with these uh, these friends of mine who started up their own businesses and um, they gave me a really nice return over a seven year period. And they also were sending me project packages on the projects they were investing in and they were buying and they were building and they were renovating. And so I was learning a lot about the business through doing the due diligence, reviewing the project packages, learning about the ins and outs of the business. And, um, and I, I basically really got a, a love for it. I enjoyed it. So fast forward, you know, we're, we're, we started like, you know, in 2005, 2006, fast forward, you know, seven, eight years later, I come back to Washington, D.C. after some tours with the Navy overseas and down in Texas. And I was stationed at the Pentagon for, uh, for five years, knowing that after that five years, I was going to be getting out of the Navy. So I said to myself, you know, do I want to get a job with the government when I get out of the Navy or do I want to try something new? And, you know, like I said, I've been around entrepreneurs my whole life, my family, my dad. I figured, you know what? I want to try something different. I want to go out on my own, which is, you know, obviously, a, you know, you take a leap of faith there. But I took the model I had from the seven years I was investing and I decided to use that as a premise to start a new business. And so I got with my financial advisor and I got some really smart people, which is what I always recommend is talk to people that you know, that you trust, that want to be involved in, in what your, you know, your, uh, your goals are. Yeah. And um, I found my business partner and my, my accountant, who's now my best friend and my business partner. And he and I started talking about this and how we wanted to put this together and start this business. And at the time, I didn't know it was called syndication, but I guess that's what it was called. We called it private real estate investment, which we still do. But we put a business plan together and we took a full year to get everything up and running. And uh, we put the website together, the legal documents. You know, we got everything licensed and set up with the business. And then uh, we had some really smart people who were a lot smarter than we were. Look at all of our documents to make sure everything was good. And they beat the heck out of us, which is great. And um, to this day, they're still investors with us because we listened to them and we applied a lot of the principles and the and things that they kind of shared with us from their expertise. And we started the company and we started small. We started with single family renovation and we um, would bring in probably about 100 percent of the money. We'd have the investor that needed some of the capital for their projects bring in some skin as well, which is what we call it, you know, skin to the game. And we were investing anywhere from about $100,000 to $300,000 on single family renovation, mainly in the Washington, D.C. area. But we were going south to Georgia, the Carolinas. And we were kind of spreading out a bit as we kind of got our feet wet in the business. Wait, John. So were these, so, were yeah, I'll take a pause. Go ahead. Sorry. Were these your original friends that you invested with while you were in the military still? Yes, I was. So I was still in the military when I started the business back in 2013. And so from 2013 to 2017, I ran the business part time. So I was working at my Navy job, coming home, hanging out with my wife and four kids after work. And then, you know, I just go in my office and come out when I came out. If it was 
right outside, I'd go to work. If not, I'd get some sleep. (laughs) And, uh, you know, I'd just do the business and get it up and running. And that helped. That's a great question, Oscar, because it it kind of set me up for the transition and it allowed me to take my bumps and bruises while I was still in the Navy so that when I did transition, we had already had a nice track record and uh, had some real good success. So I know so, yeah, that's a great question. Passive, and you did the passive stuff first. Um, I did. Yeah, and I did the active stuff actually first, oh, okay. and then and then I kind of rolled over to the passive. And um, you know, I, I've continued to stay in the passive lane. I, I don't know if I'll go back to doing the active side, maybe, but I really like doing the passive right now. Okay. So when you when you say passive, you mean you just control the syndication. Yeah. So what we would do is we'd have a sponsor or rehab or a developer that, you know, would need an amount of capital, uh, whether it was we were bringing in 100% of the money with them, maybe, well, us bringing about 90% with them, maybe bringing about 10 for the entire capital stack for the project, or um, they were going out and getting a bank loan, which is what they what we do now on these larger projects, a, a sponsor will go out and get Uh, um, a debt lender to come in for 50 to 75% of the cost for the project. And then they'll come to a business like us to syndicate the remaining, let's say 15 to 20%. And they're going to bring in around five to 10% of their own money. And so together we put that capital together and that makes up the capital stack for the project. And that that's where all the costs are covered through the bank and through the private money of which we're part of the private money. Got it. Okay. Now I'm, I'm understanding what you do. Go yeah, ahead. and so typically, right? Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. And you become a general partner member? Well, typically, we're a limited partner. So, you know, limited partner, class B or class C member on an operating agreement where we would come in and just be a passive member of the project. So, it has pros and cons, right? As a limited partner, you don't have a big seat at the table. Um, we are, we have and are looking at co GP positions, co general partner, but typically, we're a limited partner. We're coming in as a money member or money uh, partner, um, and we don't have a big seat at the table to make decisions, but it does keep us free and clear of any recourse debt. And, um, you know, we're not liable for anything outside, really just having our money at risk. So pros and cons to that. Obviously, you have to be comfortable with that risk to have it in an exposed position. And it is liable if something does happen with the project and it doesn't go as well. Um, we could lose a portion of our money or all of our money, but, you know, we have a great track record. We've done 16 projects, 15 of the projects we've done. We have hit or surpassed our projections and we've earned our investors between about 15 to 20% annualized on their money. Um, we did have one bad project. I shouldn't say bad, but I'd say challenging project where we had to take ownership of it. But even on that project, we took ownership of it. We sold it for 98% of our investment. And we actually worked with the borrower to get uh, a large chunk, I'd say about 70% of the money that was owed to us back. So even on our most challenging project, we're still in the black and have done well. So we brought that to the table and all of this was kind of while I was still in the Navy. So we, we had a track record, we were showing proof of concept. We were growing our business. We have 130 investors in our company right now. And our investors bring in anywhere from about twenty-five dollars to $50,000 a project where we syndicate a collection of that money and are able to raise about two to $5 million or $1 to $5 million, let's say, a project. 
And that's what we bring to each of these deals through each of those individual investors, including ourselves. We bring our own money into the deals as well. Nice. That, that's really awesome. So uh, what's the best way or they know obviously you didn't automatically have 150 investors. You, have, you had to build up to that. How did you get to that point? How did you start reaching out to people? How did that work? Yeah, so I mean, I, I recommend anybody start in syndication or in a, in a capital raising business to to talk to friends and family. Um, they're they're going to be the ones that give it to you straight, good and bad. <laughs> so yeah. that's where we started. We started with family and friends and, and people that we knew were into business, into investing. And I have a big family. My mom comes from a family of 13. So I had a lot of friends and family who are currently investors with us. My business partner, David, has an accounting firm down in South Carolina. So he's got two offices down there right outside of Hilton Head. And so he brought uh, a great group of people, both you know, people that he knew as friends, people within his business. You know, he, he would hang a, a nice poster board of one of our projects in his office and he'd get clients that would ask questions. And being in the accounting world, he's able to talk to them about that. So that's helped. But really, it's just going out, networking, marketing and advertising, um, you know, showing your face, you know, wherever you can to talk to people. And the nice thing about us is that um, when we talk to folks, we don't we don't want to raise any money from them right away. We just want to show them the business. We want to explain to them what we do. We want to, you know, show them our projects, take them out to the project site, have them read our literature, talk to us about what we do, meet us face to face so that they get comfortable with our process. And then they can decide, all right, I like what these guys do. I want to become an investor. At that point, they fill out some paperwork. We call it an accredited investor questionnaire. They provide some verification documents because, you know, you have to be, you have to meet the stipulations and the requirements of, a, of an accredited investor from the SEC. And um, once they meet that criteria and we verify it, they're then an investor in our company. And then they can start seeing our, our projects to decide whether they're a good fit for them and if they want to invest. Can you describe a current project that you're working on and, and what the process will be for, for to invest with you guys? Yeah, so we, we typically invest on development and construction projects. Typically, we come in either on the front end as a, 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 a an equity an equity investor or partner on the purchase of land, post entitlement to development up to construction. And then we can invest again as an equity partner in the construction phase to the completion. And when the property is finished, and there's a sale of, a, of the property and the individual, let's say condominium units, that's typically the exit strategy where we're then paid out on a closeout. Um, one of the recent deals we've just done is down in um, Atlanta, Georgia. Um, we raised $2.6 million for the construction phase of a 48 unit a condominium project, seven story building in a wonderful portion of uh, Atlanta and outside uh, a sub-market of Atlanta. And so we raised $2.6 million of equity and our investors will be projected to make between 17 to 19% roughly annualized on their money. Uh, each investor uh, brought in about $38,000 each. And that's what we basically set it up as, is each investment unit in that project was about $38,000. 
And so together, combining all of the investments for that project, we raised about $2.6 million. And so now that money will go into the construction equity phase of the project. And in about two years, when the project finishes, we'll get back to 2.6 million plus another, let's call it between uh, 25 to 30% a year on that money. So let's say 50 to 60%. And then we'll split that with our investors at about a 60, 40 split in favor of the investors. So if you do the math on that, that's about you know, 17, 16, 17, 18% return on investment per annum, about 30%. 35% uh, uh, over the project IR, a project timeline, which is about two years. So not bad. You put in 40,000 and you're getting roughly back about, um, I'd say about six, 15, 16,000 in profit. Nice. In two years, that, that's a quick. So, so the maturity with the maturity and the investment with you guys is two years compared to five years with most of the other syndications. Is it depends. It, it depends. Okay. It, it could be. It could be twelve months. It could be twenty-four months. It could be sixty months. We have a project okay. now that we're going to be liquidating. That's been about sixty months. When it finishes, fifty-five to sixty months. But we're going to realize a two X on that. So we brought in four and a half million. We're going to hopefully make another four and a half to five million profit. So that's an exciting project. But again, you know, that's a longer timeline. Um, the, the difference between the short and the long term obviously has tax benefits too. So if we're doing yes. a quick term project, six months to 12 months, you got to pay short term capital gains or income, whereas over 12 months, you're paying long term capital gains. Got it. So the development construction projects are ones we're good at. We've done a number of those, but we're also doing multifamily hold cash flow where we pay out cash flow, let's say every six months on a preferred return or a cash on cash return. We're looking at opportunity zones. We're really excited about opportunity zones. We have those coming up, <clears throat> excuse me. And then we're looking at uh, senior assisted living, uh, student housing, storage. So we kind of want to look at these projects. We don't want to look at one road of project. We want to look at different options. We kind of call it alternative uh, investment options. And so that way, if we do have a correction, we kind of are prepared to look at other options as well. Okay, nice. That's a great uh, segue there. How do you see see the market going? What's your what's your projection? Yeah, I mean, big picture. I mean, the stock market was down over a thousand points today with the coronavirus. Yeah. I mean, it's just crazy right now what we're seeing. But I do a lot of research on the markets that I'm really uh, um, attracted to, and the markets I'm attracted to right now really are the markets that are growing in population, that have uh, increased uh, population, uh, have businesses coming in, headquarters. Um, people relocating, um, markets that have a, uh, an element where people can live, work, play mentality. So to me, the markets that I'm attracted to are like a Washington, D.C. We have Amazon headquarters, two coming. We're going to have about 37,500 jobs spread out coming over the next five to 10 years. We have the government here. The government's not getting any smaller. We have the military here and supply is really, really low in these market in our market here. So that's one of the big things I look at. But even ahead of that, I'm looking at the experience of the developers we partner with to make sure that they're a good fit for us, that their for their uh, structure, their um, their their way of doing business is really a good fit for us. Uh, and then the location, like I said, is another big one. And then we're looking at the numbers and the returns, the risk. And then the timeline. So those are the big things we're looking at. 
But to be honest with you, I really think it's political right now. We got to see what happens in the election. Um, I'm not going to share my views, but I think that we've seen over the last four years that, you know, the, the economy has done really well um, and that um, there is, you know, potentially the, the chance for us to see continued growth. I would just like to see it stabilize. But um, but a lot's going to do on the election. And uh, but you should always be prepared, always be prepared. Every deal we look at has to have multiple exit strategies. If we're going to come out of a deal that's going to sell condo units or apartments and we say to ourselves, well, what happens if they don't sell? We have to know what other exit strategies are available. So I hope that answers your question. Yeah, no, it does. It definitely does. And then uh, I know you mentioned that you because uh, from what what the conversation I had with you before, uh, mainly construction development. So you are looking into other uh, kinds of projects. Um, have you have you done any other ones? You said multifamily, any apartment? Yeah, we, we've done single family renovation. Those are nice and easy. You know, you're in oh. and out in six to twelve months. We've we have a we have a multifamily uh, combined asset right now that we're investing in, which uh, with we have about 160 unit in Wilmington, North Carolina. 150 unit in Greenville, South Carolina, that's combined into one investment. It's under the same sponsor and the same property management team. And we're investing on that uh, as a limited partner. So we're paying out cash flow about 70% a year to our investors. And then they'll get a bump up in that after the property sell in about three years. That started back in uh, March of uh, 2019. So we're about a year into it. Um, and then we're in a, uh, a land development deal that looks to be transitioning into an opportunity zone investment. Uh, we're getting in, into senior assisted. We're talking with some very experienced and, uh, and, and proven businesses that have done that model here in the DC area. We're looking at car washes, which is pretty cool up north in Connecticut and New York. So, you know, anything that makes sense and that, you know, has the type of a profile we're looking for we're going to take a look at let me let, focusing on on location right because you guys do a lot of new construction are you guys focusing or your your projects are focused on sub markets or the actual yeah i mean so uh, right now like i said you know washington dc is a fantastic market the hardest part about washington is the barrier of entry just mm -hmm. because it's so expensive land is so expensive um, the process of getting land developed is, is getting harder and harder. So it's a very high barrier of entry, which we like if we can get in at the right, you know, um, milestones or kind of uh, points of entry that we can. Uh, Atlanta's nice because the population's growing. It's soon to be the eighth largest city in the country. Um, it's almost, oh, it's actually about ready to surpass Hollywood as the, as the largest film industry in the country, believe it or not. Um, they're, they're filming down there. There's about 33 film productions and, and like the walking dead and all yeah. of these wonderful shows are being filmed out of Atlanta. Um, and it's a growing, uh, area, great economy, very, uh, fiscally, um, conservative and the taxes are low quality of life is high. We like that, that those are the locations. So we're kind of being very, um, we're being very selective in that mindset, but we're looking at those demographics. We're looking at those 
um, uh, parameters to get us into those markets to, to really, you know, decide whether or not it's a good fit. Do I want to invest in New York City? No. Yeah. Do I want to invest in California? No. Do I want to invest in Chicago? Not really, because again, those markets don't show us the, the, the positives or the, um, uh, the, the things we're seeing as far as strength for the, for the markets we're in. Nothing wrong with those areas. They're great areas. California's beautiful. New York's great. I'm from New York. But just we're not feeling like those are ideal places to invest given our model. I guess yeah. that's the way to say it. Gotcha. So I know you're a busy guy. How do you, one, how do you balance it all now? But also, how do you balance it while you were in the Navy? Not only were you in the Navy, but you were flying. You had a, probably a, a crazy uh, op schedule. Uh, so how did you, how did you do all that? Yeah, I mean, look, God is good. I'm a firm believer that the Lord is my the Lord's my my biggest partner. So He's always with me and He gets me through it. But the fact that He was He was gracious enough and gave us the blessings to start small and and let us do this as I was still in, and then as we grew and grew and grew, you know, it was it was great. And now that I'm able to do it full time, I'm able to put my 100% effort into it. Um, but you're right. I mean, you know, I'm not only the COO and the founder, but I'm the janitor of the company too. So I'm answering emails every day. I'm going out networking every day. I'm marketing and advertising every day. I'm on social media. I'm, I'm messing with the website. I'm talking to people who want to join us as investors. I'm out meeting new sponsors. So yeah, it's it's intense. So one of the things we're doing now is as we continue to grow the business, we're trying to scale. We're bringing on people like that have fantastic expertise and insights into vital portions of the company. So we just brought in someone for due diligence. Uh, we have a, a marketing and advertising person now that's helping us with our website. And I see that growing into a campaign for social media, YouTube channel, all types of things that are going to help us. We're looking for an investor relations consultant, someone that can go out and find us investors that we could talk to, whether it's individual investors or family offices, wealth management companies. So I'm starting to get people now to help and um, recognizing that, you know, as we grow, um, if I if I can't multiply by myself by three or fourfold, I got to bring in talent to help. So that's great. That's nice. Awesome. But did you outsource it or do you actually hire those people? You know, I, I, I'm, I, I, so coming from the military and you guys know this, we get paid every two weeks, right? So that's a great feeling. And I'm not going to lie to you. I miss that. But, um, but I'll be, I'll be honest with you. Um, I, I watch some of these people that, that work kind of on a commission or from an incentive based performance driven schedule and they're hungry. They want it. Yeah. They don't just sit on their, their hands. And there's nothing wrong with hiring people. Don't get me wrong. I mean, there are certain positions that you need to hire. Um, assistants, executive assistants. Um, there's going to be people that I know we're going to need to hire. But right now I'm in that, hey, I want to bring somebody that's hungry and sees the, the potential growth we have in this business. And I want them to be part of that. Not as a, a subordinate or someone that works for me, but as a yeah. partner in my company. Yeah. That they can go out and they can you know, they, they work their butts off and they come back and they get to enjoy the fruits of their labor. So I'm so excited. And that's kind of where I want to start. And then, you know, we'll go from there. Nice. Amazing. Yeah. What are the, uh, what are the goals for this year? Yeah. So, um, you know, the, the big goal for this year is I, I'd really like to, to grow from 130 to about 200 investors. 
And again, just have those investors available to be able to see what we're doing, have the conversation, um, get the chance to see everything and, and take it all in and decide if it's good for them. I know what I have is good. I love yeah. what I do. I love to share what I do yeah. and i um, very transparent person. I'll tell everybody anything they need to know. And um, people like that about us. They like what we do and we pick up the phone when they, when they call us all the time. Um, I'd like to get an investor portal up and running. That would be fun to have an investor portal where our investors can go at, you know, midnight and in their pajamas with a glass of bourbon or a beer and bring up their, their, their portfolio in our company and see what we're doing. So that's another goal. Um, we have a big project finishing this year, a really big one. Uh, it's a 12, it's a, a eight story, 110 condominium project. Like I mentioned before, we have four and a half million dollars invested into it. Um, that project will pay out about four and a half to five million in profit. And that will take us off to a different tier. So that's a big one. We've got 30% of the property pre-sold, which is great. Mm -hmm. We're hitting about 50 to hundred dollars above what we came out on for price per square foot. So we're ahead of the game and, uh, it looks like it's going to be another hot market. So I would say increasing our investor base, get that portal up and running, maybe get a little more help and then finishing that big project will be the goals for this year and our opportunity zone fund. I'll add a fifth one, get our opportunity zone fund up and running because that's going to be a, that's going to be a great, a game changer for our company as well. Nice. So, so, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. So you mentioned opportunity zone. So, uh, that's a big topic. Um, how are you getting involved in that? Are you reaching out to the cities, the county? Uh, how are you finding out the benefits of it? Can you explain what opportunity zones are? Yeah, I'll do it really quickly. An opportunity zone is just a way for you to shelter tax deferred gains into an, and into an investment over a long period of time where the government allows you to um, shelter the tax deferred dollars, very similar to a 1031. Um, and you could take those monies, put it into a passive investment, and you can keep it in there for uh, a minimum of seven years before you have to pay any capital gains, long-term capital gains. And if the investment stays in over a 10-year period, any of the earnings on that deferred investment is tax-free. So you bring in $100,000 of tax-deferred gains. In year seven, you have to pay taxes on 90% of that. The government knocks off a 10% basis. So you're paying capital gains in year seven on $90,000. And if the 100,000, let's say, makes you 200 after year 10, the 200,000 is tax-free. So it's very exciting. It, it does have a long tail on the investment, but it's a really nice way of people uh, taking deferred gains from selling a business, a stock, in, in real estate and rolling it into a passive investment. You get six months to identify the investment as an investor in order to put it in. I think the uh, 1031s are 60 or 90 days. Um, and it's just a great way for you to, to shelter some of your taxes. Now, we um, have been in projects and the first one we're getting ready to invest in on, on an opportunity zone is already in our, our current investment that we're investing is already in an opportunity zone. So that's the first plus is that we're already in an opportunity zone project as far as the land is concerned. The actual investment is not an opportunity zone, but the land that we're in is an opportunity designated land. The sponsor is going to convert that into now a qualified opportunity zone fund. 
and they're going to now accept new investment dollars as opportunity zone money. So um, that, you know, what you, what you have to do is obviously you have to be in an opportunity zone as a piece of land that's designated. And then you have to have an investment that's designated as a qualified opportunity zone fund or a QOF, QOF. And so those are the two things that need to be done. So we're in the process of getting our QOF set up through our attorney, through a private placement memorandum, which is what we do on all of our projects. We always file with the SEC, we put together our PPM, and um, we're getting that set up as a qualified opportunity zone fund investment. And then once we have that set up, we can start accepting capital in uh, as deferred gains. That's awesome. Yeah. So that's exciting. We're looking forward to that. Yeah, no, that, that's really cool. And, and I know that's used more for uh, emerging markets and and uh, neighborhoods that want to uh, get that get that investment money coming in, right? So. Yeah, yeah, regentrified areas, places that definitely need um, investment for the community. Obviously, that's always the most important thing is to make the communities better, to help people that uh, that need that, and uh, to regentrify is 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 great. It's always a good thing. Incredible. I like it. And you, you're one of the few people that uh, their goals is to raise investors and not units. Most people that we talk to, oh, my goal is to have a thousand units. You're like, yeah. no, one investor. That's, that's reverse, yeah. Yeah. yeah, we have we have plenty of projects right now. We, we have a lot of projects from, from proven developers and sponsors we work with. My number one developer, we, we're on our 10th project with him. And we're looking yeah. to do another two to five in the next two to three years, if not more. So, you know, you got, you got a horse that's winning races, you stick with them. And uh, we have a great relationship. We take care of each other real well and uh, we look out for each other. And so that's the foundation. And that's so important in business is that, you know, they build those relationships, those foundations, and, and that's where you uh, find the best people to work with. The neat thing about us too, you know, we're like the liaison as the syndicator. We represent the investor and we work with the developer. So, for the developers, it's nice because they don't have to get on the phone and have to worry about raising 25000 50000 whatever. They come to me, say, John, we need to raise $3 million. And I say, okay, give me about six weeks. I'll give you a soft commitment for a million right now. And then we'll keep you updated to get you that $3 million point. And then I'm going out and I'm raising the money for my investors. Of course, after we do our due diligence, we approve a project for funding. We feel real good about it. We get all of our questions answered. We bring in our team to do all the analysis. And then we send it out to our investors to review to have the opportunity to invest, never obligated or required to invest by becoming yes. an investor with us. So that's the nice but, thing. So let me make it clear because your concept is a, a little, it's a different perspective from what I'm used to, right? And, and probably a lot of people are used to uh, because we focus on the multifamily and, and we talk about units and we want to um, not you do something different than what we used to. That's what I'm trying to get. Yeah. So do you guys provide the, uh, the 20 to 30% uh, down payment for the, uh, for the project or do you guys bring the other, the other side, the 70%? No, we bring the, we're part of the 20 to 30% piece. Got it. The 70% is going to be the debt. So that's yes. going to be, because you know, the, the debt's going to be the largest, portion of the capital stack yes. and they're going to charge the, the least amount of uh, fees or interest because they have first position, they have recourse. Yes. Whereas the 20, 30% has the most risk 
let them have the smallest, they have the smaller piece of the pie so they can charge more. Got it. So do you, so if someone comes to you and says, okay, hey John, I have this project, right? They have the 70% lined up. Do you, how do you decide if the criteria of what they're bringing you is, uh, is, is for Jared? Yeah, first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to spend more time on the business. I'm going to get to know them first before I even look at a project. Ideally, I want to make sure I understand their process, who they are, who their key players are. I want to look at their financials. I want to look at their track record. I want to look at their experience, the markets they're in, the products they put out as far as their, their investments. And, and that, could take, that could take two weeks. That could take two months. I'm not in any rush. I just want to make sure that I feel good about them and they feel good about me. And the reason why is... I don't want to start looking at projects right away and find out that, you know, one of the executives was arrested for fraud, or I don't want to find out when we're looking at a project that they're not going to, um, they, they're not going to um, want to look at what we get as far as returns. It's not part of their parameters. So we get all that done up front. We make sure that there's a solid foundation of understanding. We make sure that they're a good fit for us, that we could add value to them. And then we start looking at projects. But in a scenario like that, like they're already, let's say we've looked at them, they're approved for funding, they bring us a project, they say, John, we got the bank debt lined up or we got the debt lined up for 70%. I typically get a pro forma or I get an operating or an offering memorandum. It's a nice package that these developers put together in a, in a nice way, very clean, very inclusive and detailed. And I'll pick through that and then I'll give them a, an initial thumbs up if I like the deal. Uh, I ask them usually for another 48 to 72 hours to do some more independent analysis and due diligence. And then, you know, if it's a sponsor we've worked with before and done projects with, and it kind of looks relatively the same, that's a lot quicker. If it's a new sponsor in a new market, it may take a little more time. But, uh, but if it meets our parameters and we like it, and we're in a position to be able to bring that capital forward. We're going to want to take it. We're going to want to take a look at it. If it's something that doesn't meet our criteria, we don't have enough capital right now. We have fourteen and a half million dollars out there on the street as far as investing. So if someone brings me a four million dollar project tomorrow, odds are I'm probably going to tell them that we're not going to be able to do it. Um, if somebody brings me one for one million or two million, and it's an it's a sponsor I've worked with before. It's a you know a, a sweet spot project. I'll probably take it on. So it, it all depends. It really all depends. Got it. And that's kind of what I was I was trying to gauge is what what's your minimum kind of investment criteria there? And I think you kind of hit that. Um, and obviously, as you grow, I think I think that number can change as well. So. Yeah, and the numbers change, but I would say that the sweet spot. Well, so the range of investment for us can be a hundred thousand dollars all the way up to five million dollars a project because each of our deals are project by project. But our sweet spot, I would say, is probably about a million to three million dollars a deal, and we'll raise that again on a project by project basis, and um, we'll make sure that again, you know, it's not something that's overburdening us. Um, when you have fourteen and a half million dollars on the street and you're a seven-year company, you know, you want to take a deep breath and exhale a little before you you take too much on. You don't want to be in over your head. That's kind of how we look at it. No, I hear you. You definitely don't want to overextend and want to do your proper due diligence. Right. That is just being a good businessman. <laughs> That's what we try yeah. to do. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I hear you. Yeah. But definitely a, a different perspective. Yeah. yeah.
Well, they, I mean, we like the multifamily too. Believe me, I mean, yeah. I love multifamily investment, especially now with where we are in the real estate cycle. You know, a conservative eight percent, nine percent a year, getting IRRs in the mid-teens to high teens. We love those deals if they're in the right markets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So again, just to verify, so right now you're focusing in 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 Washington, right? And you said North Carolina as well. No, it's a good, that's a good question. So our, our kind of targeted markets are Washington, D.C., I would say down south to Florida, and maybe as far west as Tennessee. We have looked in Texas, but right now we're focusing on the D.C. metropolitan area, the mid-Atlantic, and the south Atlantic markets. Got it. Awesome. What about, what about Ohio, man? Yeah, Ohio is an interesting market. You know, I, I think it's, it's uh, got a lot of potential, a lot of growth. Uh, we don't know it very well, so that would be a little bit of a hesitant. And then, you know, a lot of our investors are located in the Carolinas. A lot of our investors are in New York and D.C. So a lot of them are territorial, too. So they want to be kind of close to home as well. Okay. Gotcha. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, no, and the, re- the reason I ask is because, uh, you know, a lot of people start off in Ohio. I know we've, we've invested in Ohio, and it's uh, a high-cap area. Obviously, you know, it's, uh, you know, the you might find a little bit more property, but definitely a higher cap area where you can get your return. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, if we have the right team up there and uh, there's boots on the ground and it makes sense, we're happy to take a look. Absolutely. Definitely. Got you. Jeremy, what else you got? No, I mean, you you blew my mind with everything that you're saying. I, really? <laughs> no, because it's, it's, it's interesting. I never, I never knew that this type of thing existed you know what i'm saying what you do you raise money um and i I thought it was always that if you're investing you got to raise the money and you syndicate you have and you but you actually bring the people to the deal and and that's a different perspective and that's that's pretty interesting the fact that we know we never had anybody doing uh um, new construction in, in, and you say even car washes does, does mm-hmm. even now it may, it makes me want to learn more about that kind of stuff. <laughs> you know, pretty, well, that's good. Fun. And I, and I'm always yeah. around too. I love yeah. sharing this stuff. I mean, being on the show with you tonight, I appreciate the opportunity to talk about my business, but I always love about sharing what we do. Cause it's exciting. It's fun. Yes. And, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of people out there that don't know about it. And, um, you know, I think that when you have people that have done it and are willing to mentor others, it's it's great. You know, I'm, I'm always looking to give back because God's yeah. blessed me with something so wonderful. And um, what can I do other than sharing it with uh, as many people as I can who are interested? Exactly. It's a lot of hard work. Um, I, I didn't go to Fortune Builders 500 or all of these gurus and I didn't spend the money. I, I just learned this really and I still am learning it, you know, yep. so that's, that's the fun part about it. But, you know, like you said, uh you're bringing, um, you're bringing people who want to invest between twenty-five to fifty thousand dollars into a project that's investing a total from that group of about three million, let's say. So you're giving them that opportunity to participate in that. In which case, they wouldn't if we didn't have this venue or outlet to do it. You guys only, you guys only work with accredited investors. We work with accredited investors and then we have um, some non-accredited investors who are very close friends and family that we consider to be sophisticated investors. 
And so when we file uh, with the Securities and Exchange Commission, we typically file a Form D-506B as in Bravo or C as in Charlie. It just depends. So if we're going to do a Charlie, that's only open to accredited investors. If we do a Bravo, it's open to accredited and non-accredited up to 35 non-accredited. So we can have non-accredited investors join us on these. It's just that the Securities and Exchange Commission doesn't give you a black and white definition of what a sophisticated investor is. They just say you have to have engagement. Yes. You have to understand that they're not you know, investing their mortgage. They're not investing their kids' savings. You know, that, that's what you got to make sure of. And, and, and we go through a very thorough process with that, even with friends and family, just to make sure they meet that criteria and they understand the type of investment that they're going to be um, partnering with us on. I understand. All right. And how, go, go ahead. No, I said, I think that's awesome. I think oh, okay. getting people involved like that. And, and they don't, yeah. a lot of people don't know that, you know, and, and I tell a lot of, a lot of close friends, like, Hey, you know, the, the best, the best investments out there are these non-traditional investments and you won't hear about them until you actually network through and, and, and because part of it is because the law doesn't allow them to reach out to you because you're a non-accredited investor. Mm -hmm. uh, you can't yeah. just say, hey, you want to invest 50000 because it's soliciting, you know? But yeah, my favorite, my favorite uh, book is Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And if you read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and then you read Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad Guide to Investing and his cash flow books, that's what he talks about. I mean, R Robert came out as a, as a, a Marine Corps pilot, Marine Corps hurrah. Marine Corps <laughs> pilot in Vietnam, and uh, his rich dad, you know, is this bright guy who comes from non-educated but still very smart and uh, talks to Robert about, you know, being an accredited investor, and Robert wants to get in and invest right away, and his rich dad says, I'm sorry, you can't yep. because you don't meet the criteria, and he even tells him, I can get arrested if I bring you into these. Now, things have gotten a little bit different. It's still very stringent. But it's wonderful how he walks you through that process. And um, you're right. The best investments that are out there are unfortunately not open to the general public only because yeah. it's it's very, very risky. And yeah. uh, people can lose everything if, God forbid, something goes bad. Yeah. And this, and this is one of the reasons why we're doing the podcast and why we're trying to be so active in social media, you know, to yeah. bring awareness. Uh, because a lot of people, uh, they, they hear us talking about this, right? Uh, but then it's also more effective when they hear from some from other people that are talking to us and they and, and they realize like okay these these people are serious you know they're mm -hmm. talking to other people that are doing it they're not trying to to just you know make stuff up but mm -hmm. um, so that's that's one of the reasons why we're doing this and, and and it's amazing that you can actually share the story with uh, with us and and bring something new to the uh, to the subject of investing because that it, it was amazing it's been amazing what you guys yeah, my pleasure i'm happy to yeah it's great stuff and the more you you know and the more you can hear it from people uh, you know the more it sinks in so it's great exactly and it's just a it's just a matter of realizing how many all the opportunities that are out there you know mm -hmm. uh yeah. all the spectrum of investing it's just not just uh stocks and bonds and in in savings account and in iras and it's, just, it's, it's more than that. And every yeah. time we talk to different people, we just realize 
you know, all this new stuff that is out there. So it's, uh, it's amazing. So John, how, how, do, how can people uh, find more about you? Yeah, I mean, the best thing to do is um, you can visit us at our website. <clears throat> It's www.j as in Juliet, I as in India, D as in Delta, investments.com. So www.jidinvestments.com. Uh, my email is my first initial, J Rubino uh, at jidinvestments.com. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm John Rubino. We have a YouTube channel. If you go to JID Investments on YouTube, you can find our YouTube channel. Facebook, Twitter, that's probably the best way. But if you want to share my contact info with your listeners, I'm happy to talk to them, whether it's if they have some questions about syndication, more questions about our business, or just in general, want to talk about real estate. Awesome. That's awesome, John. Thank yeah. you. Thank you so much for being a part of the show. Oh, I'm honored. Um, Thanks, guys, for having me. I appreciate it. It's good to have a, a conversation with uh, military members on a, on a Monday evening. It's always cool. <laughs> Yeah, 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 this was a lot of fun. No, thanks, man. We really appreciate it. And you know, you got you have a lot of knowledge, and and I think it's awesome that you, you know, you, you have done so much, and you acknowledge that, and you want to give it back, um, because you know, not not everyone's that way, and and it's all it's awesome to see. How, I know I talked to you one time before this, and it's hum humbling to see that you know, just that you're so open about it. Hey. If you ever have any question, call me. And and I really appreciate that. My pleasure. That's what it's all about. God gives us wonderful gifts and he wants us to share them. So that's the most important. We do it in his glory. So I'm happy Amen. to do it anytime, Amen. guys. Amen to that. Thank you, John. My pleasure. Hey, guys, thanks so much for having me. And uh, let's do this again soon. I'm happy to do another topic. If you guys want to talk about something else, let me know. I'm happy Definitely. to do it we'll anytime. Let, we'll let you know. All right, guys, have a great night. Thanks again. Thanks, you thanks. too. Take care.